All right, Hallers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. We've got all the spoilers for you. If you're here for spoilers, you don't need a coupon. We'll give them to you for free. <laughs> don't forget to follow us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget, five stars only when you rate and review us. If you don't give us five stars, then we will throw you off a high rise to your death, just like Sierra. <laughs> and now, Howlerpod. Oh! I am Cassius Apollona, son of Tiberius, son of Julia, morning night, and my honor remains. All Howlers, welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the Fantastic Red Rising Saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Low Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? Part three of Iron Gold, mm. chapters 40 through 46. About to get pretty spicy. Spice, spice it up. Spice Girls. <laughs> Spice up your life. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> All right. Well, let's load up this shirt. Let's load up this shirt shell. <laughs> shell. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. We're not shitting our suits today. Or sharding them. <laughs> or sharding our shirt shells. Shirts. <laughs> shirt shells. <laughs> Man. Part three, dust. Chapter 40, Lysander. The Bleeding Place. Uh-oh, Ben. Do you want to read this one? Nope, it's all you. Cassius and Lysander have a heart-to-heart chat about Cassius's father uh, and how he gave him a flower before he died. Very sweet. Reminiscing. Then Cassius heads into the arena to duel Bellerophon. He heads out, and they do all the pre-duel rituals with a white, and then they begin to fight. Turns out Bellerophon is a shade, a.k.a. a rim razor master. No matter, after each uh, gaining some cuts and some slashes, Cassius ultimately takes Bellerophon's arms off his body, and then he takes off his head. Bye, Bellerophon. Mm. But wait, Dido is a huge bitch. She calls forward another raw family member. Cassius kills her. Then another. Cassius kills him, too. But he's losing blood and he's tottering around. Clearly, he's not doing hot at this point. Last leg. Well, he has his legs. He's but he's a, on his last leg. His figurative last leg. <laughs> <laughs> he still has his legs. It's a good distinction to make. Finally, Dido calls Serafina forward to fight. Mm. Chapter 41, Lysander, heart. Serafina leaps to the arena floor. Cassius is ready to fight. Giving Lysander the don't fuck this up look. But what if, what's he going to do? He's going to fuck this up. Uh, but after Serafina cuts Cassius up real good and is about to take his life, Lysander leaps into the arena to save his friend. He declares himself Lysander Alun and chastises them for not being the honorable golds they should be. Tells Dido to bring him the safe. Of course. Bring me does. the safe. <laughs> I think we established his voice lowered a little (laughs) since he was eight or ten or whatever. (laughs) Chapter 42, Ephraim, lucky you. Ephraim and Volga arrive in the secret drop location to deliver the kids to the Duke. The Duke is super creepy and he slaps Pax's face until tears leak out of his eyes. And then he like tastes one. Says, tastes like justice. What a creep. (laughs) He pays F the rest of the money, but before they can leave, Volga asks what the Duke will do with the children. Then, before they can excuse themselves, Lyria, who was still in the trunk, runs out of the room, knocking a pipe over. She jumps into a ventilation shaft, escaping the Duke's obsidian guards. Then, 
The Duke has Sierra brought out. She's been brutalized. She ended up betraying Ephraim to one of the Duke's spies. She sold out real quick. Mm. And uh, the Duke gives Ephraim the choice of how she will die. He says, let her go, meaning don't kill her. But Gorgo throws her off the edge of the high rise to fall to her death. Oh. He, he did let her go. <laughs> she doesn't have to worry about paying for that apartment anymore. Because she's, uh, what do you call, a smear? She's joined Trig on the she's splatter. Yeah, Ephraim even like team. flashes back a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Still can't let it go. Nope. <laughs> All right. Chapter 43, Lyria, Street Prey. Lyria survived the fall through the ventilation shaft. She's lost in the streets, trying to find a way up to the higher reaches of Hyperion. She still has Ephraim's omnivore pistol. And when a group of crackhead reds try to attack her, she shoots one of their legs off and gets away. She climbs up to the first promenade level and gets to a checkpoint with Grey Watchmen, who then stop her. Weapon detected. <laughs> Weapon detected. Weapon detected. Chapter 44, Lyria, Lion Guards. Lyria is in the Watchmen's custody when Holiday and Lion Guards show up. They muzzle her and shell her in protective armor. Then they run her out of the building onto a ship. They shoot off towards the Citadel and are hit with missiles. Victor is attacking the vessel, trying to get to Lyria. Their ship goes full speed ahead and more vessels rise up to fight Victra off. They are led by Niobe Atelamanis. Chapter 45, Darrow, Venus. Darrow and his howlers are flying into Venus with Apollonius. They disembark and are greeted with a group of guards uh, expecting a few pirates. When they see Apple, they fall to their knees. He orders the loyal servants to go kill all the disloyal slaves, so like all the Ashman, Ash Lord's people. Assman. 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 All the Assman. As the Assman. <laughs> they go to see Tharsis, who is swimming with his bros and uh, some ladies. Uh, the Howlers kill everyone but Tharsis, and then they capture him. He gets electrocuted by Severo while he's trying to like swim away like a little bee. Yeah, why would you choose pool to <laughs> escape? Why not? Well, it's like technically like like stay on your feet. an ocean cove pool, isn't it? Oh, that, I pictured it as just like yeah. an apartment pool. <laughs> like indoor, right. but you can like swim out to the outdoor yeah. part. Yeah. It's probably nicer than that. I think he was like trying to, he's not going to get away in the ocean either, but. He's trying. Yeah. Okay. Chapter 46, Darrow, the brother's wrath. Tharsis is a petulant mess. He tries telling Apple that he made rescue attempts to save him and that he wasn't complicit in Apple's arrest. Also, during uh, this chat, Severo cuts one of his ears off when he calls the Howlers mongrels without a code or custom. And Severo's like, yeah, but I still have two ears. And he cuts <laughs> his ear off. It's a good joke. <laughs> uh, Tharsis then concedes to Apple, saying that he didn't want to die and that he had to betray Apple to keep the Valley Irath name alive. Uh, to make up for this mistake he needs to gain them an audience with the ash lord but he says nobody has seen him for three years and that they must go through his daughter atalantia basically there's no way to get in without an army apple's like that's great let's get an army of our own mm. told you it was spicy this week spicy. extra pepper <laughs> all right now that we know what happens in these chapters let's talk about the theme that ties them all together Aaron, what's this week's theme? Uh, a man must have a code. Or a woman. Also, man in the sense of human. Human. People. Human. Persons must have a code. They must have a code. <laughs> Xenophon would appreciate that. Xenophon, they <laughs> must have a code. Does Xenophon have a code? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's go through our chapter-by-chapter chapter theme insert and see uh, who's having their codes and who's not. <laughs> we have uh, pulled some quotes here. We'll start with Cassius and Lysander. These are two just like power-packed chapters for these, these two guys. We get the duel, and then basically we get Lysander announcing himself. And to... breaking Cassius's heart. Well, poor, poor guy. 
All right, so this is Cassius. This is part of his reverie involving his dad, where he's like thinking back about the last time they spent together. He says, he took an Edelweiss from a pouch in his armor and pressed it into my hands and told me to remember home, to remember the Olympus Mons, to remember why we fight, not for the family or for pride, but for life. And so this is like a fake conversation, obviously, that Cassius is kind of having with Lysander, but there's a lot of realness in here, especially for Cassius. He's kind of having a moment to himself before the fight. And I think at this point, he's like really trying to remember why he fights and he's trying to press that upon Lysander. So he remembers, like, let's not start an entire solar system war. Let's just not. Let's just let me fight this battle and you, you know, stick to it, buddy. So he kind of uses this story to make that point. And then he just clearly makes the point to Lysander and says, no matter what fate waits beyond those doors, do not acquiesce. If they have their evidence, they have their war. It is our duty, even if it is our last, to prevent that war, to protect the people. And Cassius is worried, obviously for Lysander's resolve. He's mm-hmm. kind of been seeing this shift in his friend and his uh, quote-unquote little brother. While uh, Lysander has been around these golds, he's clearly like not fully following Cassius's direction. Right. Yes, he's trying to remind him at this moment of what Lysander agreed with Cassius to do, what their code is, what you know their mission is together and that's to protect the people and then we see this is like our little space racist in training right here he's just getting (laughs) himself ready to go this is kind of where a lot of his reasoning and justification for his actions in the future this is where it all kind of starts to click into place yeah so lysander is thinking stop lying to yourself for one gory damn moment and admit that you made a mistake You let wolves through the door. Being a, quote, good man won't fix what you've done. Neither will suspending yourself in a state of constant motion. There is no atonement except killing the wolves, shutting the door, and reestablishing order. That is how we make things better than they are now. It's how we can fix the world. That leads into this, like, super heartbreaking moment. This is actually kind of emotional for me this time around. Wow. It's just really tough, like, and, and Pierce does such a great job writing this part i thought just the the emotions involved like the complicated feelings between the two of them you can actually see both points of view and it's not like one is necessarily wrong per se like quote unquote wrong but they both have their i mean lysander obviously we don't really agree with and we like cassius but like we can see where they're both coming from and i can see why lysander feels the way he does and then seeing this brotherhood dissolve just like that is is really tough especially on Cassius right cuz he's like i'm a, if i die out there like i need this kid right. to not open that freaking safe and we'll get into um some of this a little bit later in the episode this is a tease this is a tease <laughs> but i think some of that stuff uh especially in this final moments between Lysander and Cassius is what makes Cassius such a great character. It's his humanity, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. Um, so this is Lysander describing that moment, that dissolution uh, between the two of them. He says, I feel pity as I see him realize he has failed, not to protect me, but to convince me that he was right, that the pain he caused me was just. If he could convince me, me of all people, then perhaps he thought he would convince himself and know beyond all doubt that what he did was good. I've robbed him of that hope and any chance for his heart to be at peace. Ten years of brotherhood evaporate in a breath. We stare at one another and see strangers. Jeez. And they're having this uh, breaking of brotherhood in front of guards, so they can't even like fully say things. They're just using innuendo. This is this is tough. And then such a tough moment. Like if you've ever lost a friend or had a, a friendship kind of dissolve, it's like it's crazy how much how well you can know somebody and then, you know, like you have that friendship fall apart and then it just seems like they're a totally different person. And that's all happening within like one ten second. seconds. Yeah. And add add the stress of like 
going ultimately to your death, right. you know? Yeah. Like, really? Right before I die? Thanks a lot, bro. You could have at least lied to me. Right. The, the part in the book that actually says Cassius, his heart is breaking, is when Lysander ultimately jumps into the arena mm-hmm. to not only save his life, but to also give the golds what they want. So Lysander is thinking this before he jumps in. Cassius is stumbling, doesn't have his weapon. Serafina is about to cut him down, or she's basically like toying with him just to egg Lysander into this. Right. He gets, you know, manipulated. He's thinking, all I feel now is dread. The same dread from that day when I watched my grandmother die and did nothing to stop it. I cannot hate him for his part. It was I who did nothing to protect those I love, and I do love him. In this moment, he is true and pure, and in a way, everything I wanted to be as a child. Tears leak out my eyes as Cassius looks at me and shakes his head. Let me die, he is saying. That is all he wants. Absolution and death. But it is the wrong absolution, the wrong death. This is the last moment where you're kind of like, Oh, is Lysander going to make the right decision or is he not? And it's like, and then he kind of clicks in there at the very end. He's like, that's not the person I'm going to be. Well, speaking of, the quote continues. And he says, but I watched Aja die. I watched grandmother die and I did nothing but huddle in fear. Here at the end of the world, in the belly of a mountain surrounded by enemies, what is left to fear? I will not watch any longer. And then he jumps into the arena and everyone's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And then he announces himself. He says, my days of running and hiding behind others are finished. I will no longer fear my name. And that's when he's like, comes down. He's like, my name is Lysander Alun. And then he's like, queen of the Andales. First, <laughs> first of her name. He really does go full Daenerys. Full Khaleesi. <laughs> yeah. I was reading it today and I was like waiting for like mother of dragons. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It is kind of a cool moment, um, and I do like how he like says his name, and the whole room ripples, and he's, he's like, like, grandson of yeah. Lorna Arco Stoneside. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, I'm actually filled with like a deep sense of pride. Because like, he like shocks him. Yeah. He's like, yeah, mic drop. <laughs> what now? Right. Honestly, like we keep saying he's making the wrong decision and everything, but aren't you glad Cassius doesn't die? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I didn't want to see him die in that moment, especially for some little twat like Lysander, who's going to mess everything up anyway. Anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why kill him? <laughs> and, I mean, once he jumps in there, my first thought is, like, if you're going to do it anyways, do it sooner. Right. <laughs> like, you've let everyone poke holes in him, and you've let Serafina, like, add a buttload to that. Right. He's kind of like doing calculus that entire time. And that's kind of what some of our quotes are about. Like, first of all, they think that the rim golds are going to be honorable enough to like. To just do one fight. Even Diomedes is aghast. He's like, mom, you're breaking like every code I follow. And she's like, why don't you fight him? Yeah. He's like, like, nah, because I'm a good guy. (laughs) And this is kind of where he is figuring out his code. Like he is watching this fight. He's going back and forth with these ideas on Cassius. And he's like, I really admire Cassius and who he is, but that's not me. And I refuse to be this person that lives in fear any longer. And then he really just like him jumping into the arena is like not only literal, but figurative at that point as well. It's him like he's entering jumping the into game. his life. Right. He's entering the game and he's, you know, he's now become a piece on the board and he's got something that he stands for. And he's got an idea about what he wants to do with his own life. These are his coats. Yep. Do you think his coats will change when he, assuming he gets his memory back? I think that's the only chance at this point. But I also think he's probably too far gone for any of that to matter at this point. At this point. Yeah. It is interesting, though. In these quotes, he, he says, like, I can't fault Cassius for his part in my grandmother's death. Right. Which is a... Uh, that's an evolution the opposite, for sure. yeah. yeah, of what he said in our last chapters. So that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's some understanding, but... I'm sure, though, seeing Cassius on Darrow's side yeah. just cements the nail in the coffin, I think. Right, and then him killing Alexander at this point, 
what he said yeah, about Rona. We, we like, can't forget. I'm just thinking about <laughs> it on a yeah on a level as can he ever be redeemable for us as readers? Because that's ultimately what would have to happen for the story to work. Is like he would kind of have to be redeemed and at least like part way redeemed in our eyes. You have to have like a Darth Vader level redemption. Where he Does Darth Vader get redeemed? Yeah, he kills oh, the Emperor shit. at the end of spoiler at the end of Return of, Je- of the Jedi. God damn it, Ben! Stop <laughs> ruining things for me. I don't remember that. But he also, you know, like committed mass genocide. So it's like, how can it's you? It's kind of like Apple, right? It's like, how can you really be redeemed if you're Darth Vader? But he got about as close as you could, you know. Cool beans. Guess who else has a code? Ephraim's got some codes. Ephraim, homeboy. So this is uh, a lot of this takes place between Ephraim and the Duke, and they're actually um, talking a lot about codes and like the Duke is kind of teasing Ephraim about his his code, quote unquote. And uh, there's just some really interesting things at play here is like first we have Ephraim. We feel like we know Ephraim has an established code, but this is kind of where it's starting to get broken down. And it started with Lyria and now it's and Volga. And now it's becoming more and more. And I really, for the first time this time, noticed how much of like Volga is an angel on his shoulder in these moments and like how she's pulling him towards, I guess, the light or whatever, you know, instead of like his dark tendencies. She's an angel. <laughs> she's a big, big angel. Everything she says now, I'm just like, I You're like, freaking love you. <laughs> What was the one she said? She puts her (laughs) hand on his shoulder. She's like, I am this and you are that. Yeah, like you are smart and I am wise. This has always been our way. This has always been our way. (laughs) Our first quote is from Ephraim, and he's thinking about Mustang and uh, how they kidnapped the children or whatever. And he says, she pardoned gold rapists, slavers, murderers. Now comes the bill for stabbing the rest of us in the back. And she'll find, as the rest of us have, that she can be touched by this war as well. I should feel driven by righteousness, but instead I feel dirty, sitting here with my human cargo. A man has to have a code. When did mine begin to include kidnapping children? Well, I I know. It's when, um, you know, the syndicate said, you got to do this or we'll kill you and all your friends. He basically got, like, death threats into this job. But then also, he was at the point where he's, like, trying to jump over the ledge and kill himself right? because of being sad boy. We learned that there's um, an end to his sad boyness because yes. he ultimately, you know, starts caring. Like, I thought that was, like, an endless depth. And that's kind of his difficulty in him just wanting to be a sad boy all the time mm-hmm. um, has led him down this path. But now he's actually reflecting on where that path has He's taken like, him. Wh- why the hell did I kidnap children? Exactly. Like, and I, yeah, I think you're right. A big part of that is Volga mm-hmm. being like, why the hell did you kidnap children? <laughs> yeah. You know, she's like, I don't want to do this. You're, you're making me do this horrible thing. And it's her concern for the children throughout the process and their well being. Right. That um, really starts to make him question like his own morality in this situation. And he's like, what is my code? Like, why am I doing this? Do I really not care about people to this level? It's the Zolodome, buddy. Right. And ultimately, that leads us to, you know, Ephraim kind of taking steps forward in Dark Age and letting go of a lot of that sad boy hours type stuff. And then the Duke um, has a couple things about code. Um, When Volga is like, what are you going to do with the kids? Mm -hmm. The Duke says, morality is a dangerous thing for a thief to possess in company such as this. Right. He's like threatening to, like, what if I murdered them or what if I threw them off a building or whatever. Yeah. And she's she's like so pissed off. Yeah. She's just Um, getting more and more pissed. And so the Duke basically is like, you can't have a moral code if you're a thief, right, especially for the syndicate, yep, and then he like throws that back into Ephraim's face because that was part of their very first conversation was Ephraim's code or whatever, right? Because he then, doesn't snitch, right? And then the Duke says, "No, I'm no slaver. Respect is given until a debt is owed. After all, 
what is a man without a code? So now the Duke has a code. Right. Yeah. He's just a, a real fucking he, terrible he's person. He's a slippery son of a bitch. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> Creepy weirdo. Uh, actually, I, I mean, I'm just always very entertained by him, though. Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his his best chapters are coming up yeah, for, for sure. sure. Before uh, he dies. <laughs> yep. And then we also see kind of Ephraim's kind of older code going on when he's talking about Syrah. She just got thrown off the side of a building. She sure did. <laughs> and this is at the and end. And before of, that, she was beat up right. to a pulp. You and know, know, her she, face was smashed. Right. And then we know that she was ratting on Ephraim. But since they killed her, he's, I mean, he's pissed at this moment. He says, rat or not, the green was one of mine. And now a debt is damn well owed. Yeah. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. Now he has to come back and save the kids. Right. Too bad. So now he's going to spend spend a day being a sad boy <laughs> again. <laughs> because what would Ephraim be if he didn't spend 24 hours as a sad boy and then realize he needs to pop out of it? <laughs> well, his... <laughs> he kind of gets know, forced people, out of it, I yeah, guess. People yeah. force him out. Yeah. Also, code-wise, um, Volga obviously is influencing Ephraim's morality. And so... We have to talk about Volga's code. Like mm. she's loyal to Ephraim, and that's the only reason she's even here right now is to protect Ephraim and be a right. part of her team. Like mm-hmm. she's clearly not there for the money, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, she's not clearly, like evil that part at all. Clearly, doesn't matter to her. She's yeah. just saving up for the animals on Earth, <laughs> the sanctuary. She just wants to have her animal sanctuary. Yeah, yeah. The reason she is there is for Ephraim, but she still has a good heart and is trying to protect these kids, even though like clearly she can't do anything or else they'll die. Yeah. It's part of what makes these characters like so interesting is like what was out here doing terrible things, kidnapping uh, children, you know, but we're like, she's an angel. (laughs) She she even like shoots Kevax and we're still like, she's still cool though. (laughs) Exactly. He didn't die. (laughs) That's just like, you know, that's a well-written character at that point. It's when, just, yeah, you see they're good and they're bad. Yeah. Or just they're good. <laughs> well, yeah, just it just like it makes like there's clearly depth to all of these characters. You know, there's uh, conflict and that's part of what makes this story so interesting. And it lets us all fight on Facebook about whether or not Lysander's <laughs> a little bitch. It's great. No, that's confirmed, actually. Oh, th- yes. Confirmed <laughs> little bitch. <laughs> And then our last uh, couple of quotes are just from Lyria. We've talked about this idea with her where what is she living for? What is she kind of, what's her purpose? And that kind of thing uh, in previous pods. And so here she's at her another like extremely low point. She's super injured. She's being hunted by obsidians. She wants to give up. She wants to just give up, but she can't. And um, she says, I keep coming back to my sister's face the moment we parted it in 121. The fear in her eyes, the trust when she begged me to protect her son, it shatters all that's left of me to know that I did that to someone else. So she thinks she's responsible. Right. Even though clearly, like, yes, she made a mistake. She, could, she shouldn't have had the necklace, but she had no idea what was actually going on. Right. She says, and I feel anger, a consuming, furious anger, building in my chest at the people who would destroy families, hunt their fellow humans. The sovereign didn't protect my family, but I'm not her. So this is just definitely like an evolution in that previous purpose and code that we've talked about with Lyria. It's like this is a developing thing for her. Right. Because she used to only hate the sovereign. Then she ends up being in the same room as her and seeing kind of the weight of the world on her. So mm-hmm. she has a little more empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's basically saying, like, she like she doesn't need revenge on the sovereign. She's not going to just let her kids be stolen. So right. that's why she ends up hiking yeah. up the city to try to get back to the sovereign. Yeah, she's just trying to get back to somebody that she can basically, you know, now at least try to help right. s- resolve the situation like, that this she This is what created. happened. This was my part. Mm-hmm. And she, she's 
I mean, for all she knows, she's walking into torture and death. Yep. Um, but she uh, mostly is is going back not only for the kids because her guilt, but also for her nephew. Yep, for Liam, for sure. Her like main code is to protect Liam. <laughs> yep, and then and not leave yeah. him alone. And that kind of uh, evolves along with her, you know, feeling of righteousness and like wanting to right this wrong that she thinks that she, you know she really created by falling for Felipe's quote unquote. <laughs> uh friendship yeah okay those were our codes do you have a code ben um you know just be kind life be is kind tough rewind did you know ben uh here worked at blockbuster <laughs> don't tell people uh, that this just shows how old i am i think it's amazing <laughs> be kind rewind those were some good years that wasn't my my code but that was a good code Oh, be kind, rewind isn't your code. I was just saying be kind. Like life is, you know, hard enough already for all of us. Yeah. I say uh, my code is definitely always go five over the speed limit or else I will freak out (laughs) if you're going too slow. I've actually seen that. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going at least five over, I I don't give a shit. I'll leave you alone. If you're going the speed limit or lower, like get out of my way. Is that a good code? (laughs) A fantastic thing. Okay, thanks. <laughs> That's the gold in me. <laughs> That's true. Like, me first. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my way. Also, be kind, rewind. Okay, that brings us to our prime five. Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. So let's talk about our uh, Darrow and Apollonius chapters. There's a lot of talk about some ships not being present on Venus. Oh, where, oh, where could they be? Well, Daryl keeps saying like, oh, they're on the other side of the planet. That <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, that's fine. They say that like three times. And Venus is isn't as big as like Jupiter. It's the size of Earth. Yeah, it's pretty like it's size. not yeah. like couldn't they tell? Still pretty big. Like planets are still quite large. Compared planets? To, yeah. To a ship. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> i'm just saying like if there's a bunch of ships like orbiting the planet right they're saying they're like parked on the other side of the planet Mm -hmm. they're just chilling over there right but guess what they're not also there's no other side in space let's be honest what it's up down there's no other side of anything well when you're on one side of a circle there can be another side right but why is he just like we're just flying in and those ships just happened to be on the other side of the planet that they were flying in. They could be flying in from anywhere. They could be flying in from lower up, like, you from know. From north. It doesn't make any sense <laughs> for them to just be like, oh, they're on the other side. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they're, they're clearly targeting Tharsis's <laughs> island and the right. Valley Irath properties. So they're saying they might, maybe they're in the dark zone. We don't know. <laughs> Basically, they're just deflecting, saying, we don't know where the ships are. They're probably right. over there. Severo even at one point is like, why are there only like five ships here at the dock? Mm-hmm. And Daryl's like, they're on the other side of the planet. And yeah. he goes, but are they? Yeah, there's a couple things going like on there. Like he says, what if they're not? Right. He says they're probably just like somewhere else because there's a couple things going on there. It's like, first of all, not all the Ashlord ships are at Venus because we know they're already on their way to Mercury. With Atlantia. Yeah. But then, we know where they are. Yes. But also, it, this, there's some foreshadowing regarding Apollonius's forces no longer being what they once were. He didn't have very many troops or anything like that left over. So they're kind of foreshadowing that as they go in as well. And that takes us to our second lit thing on the Prime 5, which is Atlanio, which we just mentioned. There's a couple um, interesting things going on here. Yes. You want to take this one? These are things that Tharsis reveals when they're questioning him in his bathrobe, he says that she um, has disappeared and that she has a concubine. Guess who that is? No, it's not the snake. This concubine line. I was like, whoa. Whoa, she's got a concubine. <laughs> um, it's Ajax. It's definitely her nephew. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know she likes to fuck nephews and adopted type nephews. Yeah, and she's maybe she's just got a thing for nephews. 
I think it's more like power and being, you know, oh, a yeah. cougar. Probably. <laughs> She's a cougar. <laughs> uh, so also, Tharsis reveals that the Ash Lord has been disappeared for three years. Yes. And that no one has seen him and no one can have an audience with him. Right. And it's like, what the fuck? And then a knowing look passes between Apple and Tharsis. Right. He says, nobody has seen the Ash Lord in three years since there was an assassination attempt on him. Mm-hmm. And then the and Howlers like, are like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Howlers are like, we don't know about that. And Tharsis is like, you don't? And then he looks at Apple and Apple's like, eh. <laughs> he doesn't say that obviously. Yeah. And then Daryl notes that. Yeah, he's like, they're doing a the little sneaky sneaky yeah. brother this is just, vibes. I think this is bad generaling by Daryl, in my opinion. This whole this whole thing is a bad look for him. He needs to just be better here, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I think we all agree, including <laughs> all the other howlers. <laughs> I think Daryl agrees with you too. This was we were blinded in the situation. We should we need to be like Rolling things back, we're like, hold on. Wait, where are the ships? Let's go fucking <laughs> yeah, look. Exactly. Why don't we look? Yeah. How about we just like send a shuttle out? How we're, about we? Nobody just, knows we're here yet. How about we just zoom around the planet? Yeah, like we've got a little bit of time. No, no one knows where we are. Exactly. Nope. They're just going right in. Yeah, and so like, how about first of all, we see if the ships are other than just being like, oh, they're just you know they're on the other side. Of the yeah, they're, they're fine. fine. <laughs> Adelania has disappeared. Totally cool. Maybe she's on Pluto. We don't care. Yeah, that's fine. Pluto's not even a planet. Let's not even stop to think about that for five minutes and discuss it, maybe. Oh, the Ash Lord hasn't been seen in three years. Yeah, let's just keep going. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) (laughs) This is bad. Bad luck for Darrow. Bad news bears, Darrow. (laughs) Sorry. You fucked up the minute (laughs) that you let Apple out. Yeah, that was a bad idea. I think he fucked up the minute he stabbed Wolfgar. He gave him the old. Fork we, I mean, tongue. we can back up. Yeah, he fucked up the minute he did the Iron Rain. Yeah, because he clearly True. was like manipulated into that by right. the Ash Lord. I bet. Yeah, when I was going back and editing that episode, I loved what you said about him getting baited into that Iron Rain. Yeah, because I think that's totally true. Me too. <laughs> it was a passing thought, but I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right. What's uh what's next on the Prime Five? So we do have to mention something about Lysander, of course. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh he's getting all pumped, jacked up about announcing himself to the Moonies. Mm-hmm. He thinks to himself in that moment that Luna may not have been perfect, but it gave peace for seven hundred years. And he's feeling pride in this moment for his name. He's like, we're not so bad. We gave peace for 700 years. And he's like, I'm Selenius's <laughs> ancestor. I'm, you know, I'm proud of my grandma and all her piece of shit work. <laughs> and uh, we're like... Small point here. Small, small point. point. <laughs> Lysander, uh, do you want to ask the Moonies what they think <laughs> about uh, Luna's peace? Yeah, there's 700 years of peace and... The entire genocide of a moon, I guess, doesn't just doesn't get counted. No, or like her keeping <laughs> all like one child from each family uh, as yeah. a slave, but not a slave, but a prisoner of war, I guess. Right. You know. Yeah. Or like. It's called like a what do they call it on Game of Thrones? Award. Award. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. You saw how that turned out in Game <laughs> of Thrones. Yeah. No one ever wants to be that kid. You were always going to be evil. Right. You're never going to like turn out to love both families. Yep. So uh, one of the major criticisms of Lysander is that he's a little self-righteous. He's a little hypocritical. Yes. And uh, here it is right here. We've got him just making up history apparently in his head to make himself feel it's like, better. It's great. <laughs> it's going well. Right. 700 years of peace. Yeah, I can't think of a single thing. It was, uh, it was that, great. Yeah. That we only that like time. secretly murdered everyone, including yeah. my own mom. Right. Also, it was great. When that 700 years of peace started, it was, uh, you know, started with uh, an entire war. Genocide, that, eugenics. <laughs> that, that was a genocidal uh, bloodbath of an entire planet, Earth. So and it's he's, cool. At this point, he's only even mentioning the golds. What right. about like 
all of the slaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, all, all like the, every other color, the billion, basically. The billions of slaves across the galaxy. I mean, across the solar system. Yeah, it's totally fine. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, we're not in a galaxy. <laughs> we're not in Star Wars. Okay. That was uh, our prime five just to call Lysander a hypocrite. <laughs> uh, the next thing we had is uh, the creepy Duke, Duke of Hands. And I just wanted to call some more attention to this. kind of plays into our theme today of the code. There's this really sickening moment where the Duke is slapping Pax across the face and he wants him to cry. Pretty uh, disturbing. Right. And I think it's just an interesting comparison between what the Duke says here and the kind of the feelings that Ephraim has. And Lyria also shares a lot of these same feelings. Uh, the Duke says, There, there, little prince. Do not weep. Shh. Consider me an ambassador, welcoming you to the real world. The rest of us have been here for some time, but do not worry. You'll soon learn the rules. And that's like a... Wow, that was really creepy. I was like, stop. (laughs) I think I did my Duke uh, way creepier earlier. But anyway, so this like mode of thought here, this, you know, the way the Duke says this, like, consider me an ambassador welcoming you to the real world. The rest of us have been here for some time. This is a idea that Ephraim shares. This is an idea that Lyria shares. Oh, yeah. But they are not, you know... Slapping children. Horrible, sadistic people. Licking their tears. Right. We can see, like, the difference between them in this moment. I just think it's an interesting thing because, like, they both carry basically the same ethos in that situation where they're like, yeah, dude, these people need to feel like what the rest of us have felt for so long. But... Ephraim and Lyria kind of regret feeling that way. Obviously, the Duke doesn't. Um, but it's just interesting that we've got all these characters that feel the same way, but we feel differently about them. We also like... It's just like an interesting comparison between two. For Ephraim and Lyria, we also see in their minds mm-hmm. and see their contradicting thoughts. Right. But I don't imagine the Duke has contradicting thoughts at least not anymore well if we consider his life like it's pretty fucked up he was a sex life so uh yeah i mean justified anger (laughs) but you shouldn't take it out on children sure (laughs) and then creepy duke also foreshadows the ants eating people to volga uh he mentions this as one of his threats to her like what if i took them back and fed them to ants. He says a few different things. To my ants, right. Yeah. Because when Volga is like, what are you going to do to them? He's kind of trying to egg her on a little. What if I said I'm planning to feed them to ants? What response would that elicit? Volga's like, I'm going to fuck you up later, just not right now. And then whenever Ephraim gets taken back to the Duke's compound, we've got the ants waiting for him there. And Ephraim's like, oh, shit. (laughs) A hand. (laughs) They're eating a hand. I'm going to get eaten by ants. And then last on our Prime 5, we have Queen Bay Ladies Formation. So I talked about this in the Iron Gold book recap a little bit, but the Lady Showdown, when uh, Holiday has Lyria in custody, and then Victor comes to fight, it's pretty fucking epic. Right, I think you said this was your favorite moment of the book, didn't you? I don't remember. Has it changed since then? I don't know. (laughs) It's still great. I haven't finished the book again. I'll let you know. But uh, basically, Victra is like floating outside the ship because they're like incoming transmission. And then Victra's like, Nakamura. Yeah. I should have known she'd send you. (laughs) And then. In her pregnancy armor, like floating around. Definitely floating around her pregnancy armor. And then Holiday's like, stand down, Victra. Like, you can't kill her. This is our only lead. Holiday's like, you don't want trouble. And Victra says, darling, I am the trouble. Great fucking line. And then she starts like drilling in the top of the ship and they're like speeding off and they're fighting. And Victra's like, Victra out (laughs) on the comm. And then rising up to help Holiday fight off 
uh, Barca's troops is Niobe Atelamanis right. in her like full blue fox armor. Right. I love the... So it's just a great scene. Yeah, I love the last line of that chapter. It's, Niobe Atelamanis has come to war. She has. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Reread that part. All right. That's our prime five. Now it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose one character who conquered our Proctors of Plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... Cassius! Yeah! Yeah! Good job, Ben. You won! (laughs) Not only did he conquer our Proctors of Plot, but he conquered everyone in the Bleeding Place, too. Well... No. Stop right there. <laughs> Not technically. <laughs> he didn't beat Dido or Serafina or Lysander for that matter. However, he did cut Bellerophon's arms and head off. Yeah. That was dope. That was really dope. That whole sequence is really cool. The and whole then, fight was really cool. Yeah, the whole fight was great. And then I w- just love the end where it's like. Well, don't forget. And my honor remains. Right, right. Um, but just. Bellerophon's death is actually like super epic. Yeah. And like I he's love squirting, you know the yeah. you know Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's the knight, he's just squirting blood out. Yeah. For some reason there's about there's this way that Lysander describes golds that just makes them like the way he sees them just makes you like admire them so much. And it's, and it's know, their it's, code throwback yeah. to our theme. Yeah. And it's just, it makes you feel terrible about yourself. But then also it's like this, he says this great line about how it's awful. That it's such a waste of a man, but it's also beautiful at the same time. And uh, I just think, Oh, are you becoming a Lysander sympathizer? No, 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 not at all. I just think that's why we all kind of like, like, like the golds, the dueling. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like <laughs> the conquering, <laughs> right. the golden curls, <laughs> yeah. dimpled chins. Uh, yeah. And so like that moment is great. And I love how they're so, so hardcore when they're like, save this guy. He's good. Like, and then Dido's like, Bellerfon, you know what's up. And he's and just she's like, like, your life is your own. Right. And he's he like, says, I am dust. Hoopless at Shadowless. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets his head chopped off. Whoa, am I learning Latin? Wow, I think very like slowly. It. <laughs> very slowly, line by line. Right. So congratulations to Cassius. One thing I did really want to talk about. Last week I got a little bit into what I thought made Cassius such a great character. Oh, and just last week. <laughs> well, I like provided a little bit of explanation and that kind of thing. And we talked about, you know, him being cheeky, him being a badass, like all that stuff is really great. He's basically your new Han Solo. Similar. But I love you. I know. <laughs> That's just me and Cassius talking back and forth. <laughs> right, do you say I love you or do you say I know? I say I know, obviously, because I'm on Solo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Cassius. Is there a scenario? Cassius is Solo. Princess Leia in this scenario. It's fine with me. For some reason, I see you more of as a Princess Leia. It's <laughs> <laughs> rude. <laughs> She's still a Jedi. <laughs> that's true. Not really in the new canon, but. Oh, okay. Then, oh, yeah. I learned about canons, unfortunately. <laughs> She's force sensitive. It's fine. It's fine. It's a whole thing. Anyway, one of the things that makes him so great is his humanity. And I think that really comes out in uh, this chapter, this very first chapter that we read, uh, especially this conversation with Lysander prior to the duel starting. And you just see. All the regret and all the yearning to just like know that I did the right thing. Like I'm a good person, and we all deal with that constantly. And you know, it's just like it's all wrapped up into Cassius, this great character where he can seem like such a badass. He's got always got a quip. He's always got a smile. He can fight anybody, but he's still deep down, just like, am I good? Like, does, <laughs> does my dad approve? Right, and he just wants the approval of his family, and he wants a good life. He wants to know that he made the right decisions. It's like something that we all deal with on a daily basis, and I think that's just, uh, I don't know, it's just one of the things that makes him so great, it's just like how human he really is under all of that. 
gold greatness that he has. Good job, Cassius. So congratulations, Cassius. Way to be cool and way to not actually die. I didn't even think about the fact that we're not going to get to see him for a while now. Well, he gets to win and then he'll win again in uh, another book. Yeah, he's definitely going to win again. He's definitely going to win. <laughs> Brooding again. <laughs> Brooding. <laughs> Dynamite drop in, Cassius. All right, that takes us to Howler Q&A, where we answer questions from you, our Howler listeners. Today's question is from Shane Doyle. Shane had a question about alternate timelines. He said, if you had to change one plot point from the series to see a different chain of events unfold, what would it be, and how do you think it would uh, change the story as a whole? His example was Severo's head being in the box at Darrow's Triumph and Fitchner surviving. That's a terrible idea. Uh, so, I was going <laughs> to say, that just makes me really sad now. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> All right, what um, you got? I would say, you know, this isn't a big plot point at all, but I would say Tungless <laughs> not dying. That's fair. I think that's a it's good one. It's an easy one. Right. And then he turns out to be someone important. Right. So you want Tungless to survive and us to kind of get some more backstory on him. And then, you know, maybe he's actually Volsung Fa's dad. Wow. And he can tell him to stop being a dick. <laughs> Stop being a dick, Volsung Fa. And he's like, okay, Dad. <laughs> Sorry. I'll stop ripping people's ribs. Except and he would out. have to do it with gestures. He couldn't say it out loud. And he doesn't clearly doesn't write things down because nobody wants to write anything down in this universe. Well, c- if they can carve you new working <laughs> sword arms, can they not oh, carve yeah. you a they tongue? They can hook him up with the tongue for sure. I mean, maybe or he prefers. Maybe he. Uh, can have one of those um, Stephen Hawking speech things. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he can say something smart like Stephen Hawking would say. Either way, your alternate timeline consists of tongueless finally talking, give us some information. And giving the dog a warm home. And game night with the dog. Game night? (laughs) Gestures and game night. Gestures. Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he can talk in this scenario though. that's a very small one do you want me to pick a bigger one no i, I think it's great that's great you you're know, still beating the drum for tongueless i i, I don't get it it's but something that i've latched on to <laughs> uh just like the aliens latched on to victor's ship <laughs> i can't wait till we i'm gonna dig in and not let go <laughs> Can't wait till we read that part in Dark Age. Like, <laughs> well, I remember it, when he released that like first part before the book came out. I was like, great, and we read it, and then I was like, well, fuck, I don't even want to read this <laughs> stupid book. <laughs> Long live Douglas. Mine's probably. Oh yeah, you haven't answered yet. Mine's probably an easy one, but I just really I want Ragnar to be around, so I would say. Ragnar die or Ragnar lives, and I feel like somebody would have to die in his place, though, right? Well, you got Cassius. I'm killing Holiday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she's not even because she's been a traitor since the beginning. She's not even. She missed that shot on Aja on purpose, probably. No, clearly she didn't. <laughs> also, she's. What if no one dies and she makes the shot and Aja just dies right there? What about that? You know, that's not as fun. I still want a good razor battle with, with Aja at the end of the story. But I just want Ragnar to be so more So you want involved. her to make a smiley face on Holiday's body, even <laughs> though Holiday's not standing there. She's in the woods shooting I'm s- arrows. I'm sorry, I'm, I've got it out for Holiday. Uh, well, she's shooting guns, yeah. <laughs> she's a traitor. She shouldn't, she shouldn't be a spy. I would just love to see Ragnar still hanging out, Ten years later Max with the Howlers. not cool. Right. And I would want to see how much the Obsidian situation would be different with Ragnar being the leader instead of Sefi. And whether he would have made some of the similar decisions that she would have or um, if he would have, you know, stuck more by Darrow's side. I, I think he probably would have gone a similar route to Sefi. And I think that would be a really interesting storyline to see just like how Darrow would deal with that with like 
Ragnar taking more responsibility with his people than with the Howlers and with what following Darrow. That type I of bet thing. too Ragnar would have way more of a sway over Darrow than what Sefi has. That's true. Yeah, he probably would listen to him a lot more. Mm-hmm. And that maybe, like, does does Darrow even do the Iron Rain on Mercury at that no, point? No, he doesn't. I don't think he does either. If Ragnar is against it, or Ragnar just kicks everyone's ass. <laughs> that's true. So that's I mean, just what he does. That's definitely a thing that could happen. All right. That's uh, Howler Q&A this week. Thank you, Shane, for the question. All right, Aaron, you know what it's time for? What are we into this week? You can go first. Oh, thanks. Formation. Uh, no, that's not what I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into a Netflix show with Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd. It's called Living With Yourself. Oh, really? And I binge watched it like literally in one day. Wow. And it was great. And I really enjoyed it. It was funny because it's Paul Rudd. Also, did you know he's 50? <laughs> I told you that. I know. <laughs> I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> he looks great. And he's also from Kansas City. Homeboy Paul Rudd. Shouts to Paul Rudd. That's called Living With Yourself. Living With Yourself on Netflix. I'm scared to talk about it because I don't want to spoil anything and have people yell at me. Okay. So I'm just going to not tell you what it's about. Is it funny or? It's funny okay. and, it, you know, Paul Rudd. It's also like dramatic yeah. and like pulls your heartstrings and then you also laugh. Wow. He's good. Yeah. He's good. He's great. Ben, what are you into this week? I'm into a show called Watchmen on HBO. Oh, I haven't checked that out yet. Uh, it's really good. I think you would probably want to read the original. My suggestion would be definitely to read the original comic book series Watchmen. Because I think you can watch the new HBO show without it, but like to get a full appreciation and deepness for what's going on in the TV show, reading the comic book would help a lot. Is it like a whole comic book series? It's like a graphic novel. Okay. Um, it's technically like 12 issues, but they you can buy it together as one. Okay. And it's really good. Uh, one of the greatest comic books of all time. Nice. Um, and... This show is not a remake of that. It's like that same world 20, 30 years in the future now. Oh, cool. And so it's really cool. Um, It's from the dude that made like Lost and the, what is that one show where everybody disappears? The Leftovers. He made The Leftovers. Oh, I love that show. Can we also be into that? The Leftovers is good. So it's real mystery based. Like, it jumps in you don't really know what's going on and then the plot kind of gets revealed as you go nice. along the and leftovers also sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you're into mm-hmm. i love the ending of the whole series i still need to watch that you haven't seen the ending don't we uh, tell you what happens no gosh no <laughs> <laughs> i plan to watch it at some point i've watched the first season that's it mm-hmm. oh man there's a lot yeah i've never felt i heard they go to australia and stuff well, I've never felt more like physical heartbreak and despair, like actual like weight on my chest from watching a TV show. Yeah. Other than that show. That show like crushed me. Yeah. I mean, I liked the first season, but I remember I stopped watching it because I thought it was too depressing. I, lo- I love that feeling because <laughs> I'm like, is this what sad people feel like? It's <laughs> <laughs> what Ephraim feels like in Sad Boy. <laughs> No, it's great. Also, I love that you're like, I'm scared to spoil things for people. And then you're just like, can I spoil this for you? I was just <laughs> being a dick, lording over the you the fact that I know more than you. All right. That's uh, this week's What Are We Into is Living With Yourself on Netflix and Watchmen on HBO. Two good shows, it sounds like. Start watching shows. <laughs> but before you watch shows, don't forget to read Iron Gold. Chapters 47 through 51, we will be covering those next episode on HowlerPod. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Visit HowlerPod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us, five stars only. If you don't give us five stars, we will muzzle you and put you in an inflatable uh, bubble armor thing. And then we'll let Victor kill you. Oh, we're giving you away to Victor. 
We're not protecting you from Victra. No, we're going to be like, hey, Victra, yeah, I'm scared of you. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not holiday. Also, you fine, girl. Yeah, girl, you look good in that <laughs> seven months pregnant armor <laughs> whipping around space. She'd be like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yep. <laughs> yep. Not talking. Still love you. All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh. Oh.